Welcome back to Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter, and I'm so excited to have Emily McGuire as our featured guest. Emily serves as the Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Denver Nuggets. You'll hear Emily share her career journey, starting out in inside sales and working her way through the challenges and personal breakthroughs. Emily's dedication to her growth and commitment to her team has led her to be one of Cracky Sports Entertainment's key and impactful revenue leaders. I want to take a moment to thank Turnkey ZRG for supporting Women Blazers. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, and media. We appreciate Turnkey's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that no job is glamorous. Every job is hard work. That's why it's a job. Um, so along the way, I've had to intentionally make sure that I'm choosing a career every day and choosing a role that I find fulfillment in. Um, and that's helping me to grow as a human and just as a person and, and becoming a better person. Um, but maybe most importantly, making sure that I'm surrounding myself with people that I like to work with and I like to be with, um, because that's what, that's what ultimately makes my job fun. So Emily, you went to the University of Vermont and majored in finance finance and marketing. So what inspired you to pursue your major? Sure. Well, um, there isn't a great answer to that question, to be (laughs) totally honest. Um, I knew I wanted to study business. And I think my majors mostly came out of the classes that I was really enjoying at the time. Um, so I, you know, I was trying to just poke around and see what I liked. Um, but I knew that I really wanted to go into business and and kind of be on that side of things for sure. Yeah. Did you have a vision for your career or like what you were sort of working toward once you had that idea? Also, no. So that (laughs) that was a, that was a quick one, but, um, you know, I think the funny thing about that is, you know, I was really unsure about my career path or, you know, specifics that I wanted to get into. Um, but all along the way, I found myself ending up in jobs related to and around sports. So during college, my work study job was um, with the men's baseball team. And I also during college went back and coach my old high school gymnastics team. So I I kept finding myself around that, but I don't think I knew at the time that there was really a career to be had in sports. Yeah. That's so common, right? Like it's like you have, you have the, you, you go to a sporting event or, you know, you're exposed to something like coaching, but you don't think about, you know, all the behind the house and the jobs that are, are there that help build, those experiences and those events. And so, so following graduation, how did you navigate job opportunities and what was that first job out of college? Sure. So um, before I graduated, I attended an alumni panel um, with a, a bunch of great people. And one of the ways that I kind of fell into, you know, the concept of working in sports was there was an alum sitting on a panel that I listened to um, who had gone to UVM but went on to work um, in the NBA on the team side and then also at the league office in Teambo as well. 
And I found that so intriguing and so interesting. And immediately I was just like, hey, that's that's where I want to head and that's where I want to go. So right out of school, I took a job. My first job was with an advertising agency. Um, and that was just locally in town. Um, and soon after that, my boyfriend at the time, he's now my husband, um, we, we jumped in the car and we said, we need to get out of Vermont for a little bit and just experience some different things. Um, and so we just hopped in the car with, with basically nothing and ended up in Colorado and just wanted to check it out and, and see what it was all about and just really fell in love with Denver and with Colorado. Wait, so blindly drove to Colorado or do you know you were going to Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. I'm still not quite sure of the answer. We, we, <laughs> the plan was to, to stop in Colorado and be like, hey, do we like it? Do we not? And the plan was if we didn't like it, we were going to continue to Oregon. We had no plan. I mean, as you can tell right here, we had no plan. But um, we ended up in Colorado. We had a few friends that were living out here, which really helped. Um, and we just, we loved it. And I knew that there was a sports market here, uh, obviously, and, and a really big one. And so I felt like that could be a, a great opportunity for me to, to network and to get some, know, to get to know some people too. That's incredible. I, I love the strategy. It scares, me to, it scares me to death, but I love the strategy. Me too. Well, you know, I was 21, 22 yeah. at the time. And so, you know, we, we had the whole world. Yeah, know? just go for it. Just go for it. So, so you're out of college. Um, you know, you're now in this new city and you get your sports break in opportunity there at Cracky Sports and Entertainment and Inside Sales. So how did you land this opportunity and how did you conquer those inside sales days? Sure. Um, so I, I kept in touch um, with, with the gentleman who was on the alumni panel um, and he was fantastic and helped to connect me with just a variety of people around the NBA and the, on the NBA team side. And when we landed in Colorado, I called him up and I was like, hey, do you happen to know anyone? Do you happen to know anyone in sports in Denver? Here we are. Um, and he was generous enough to put me in contact with the inside sales manager. Um, they had just been able to promote a few people from that current class into other roles within the organization. So there were a couple openings. Um, so it, it really, it turned out really well. I think within three or four weeks of landing in Denver, um, I had an interview and got a job in inside sales. And I was thrilled and awestruck to be, you know, in the arena and coming to work every day. Um, but certainly had no idea about the challenges that were in front of me because inside sales is by far the hardest job I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> it is hard. You know, um, we actually just hired a new inside sales class um, recently. And then the conversations like trying to explain to people, you know, it's phone calls, it's conversations. But for some reason, it is the hardest conversation you'll ever have because it's not natural to have a sales conversation, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the, just, you know, training somebody to pick up the phone and start a relationship with a stranger is just the most <laughs> wild thing. Um, and it's, it's hard work and it's a grind and it's meant to be. So you get those reps under your belt and all those things, but it was, it was tough going. And I was also, you know, I, I was hired in the middle of a class. And so my peers and everybody sitting around me had about six months under them already. 
Um, the leaderboard was full of numbers for them. And I was all the way at the bottom with big fat donuts um, <laughs> for all of my sales numbers. And it was really intimidating. And I, I think the thing that got me through was I'm, I'm certainly a competitive person and I'm somebody who's sitting, willing to sit there and, and outwork the person next to me. And I was like, okay, buckle up. This is the only way this is going to happen is if you put in the work and try to get better a little bit, you know, every day um, and, and just try to continue to, to move things along. So um, it was intimidating. It was a lot of hard work, but it was the best experience for sure. That's wonderful to hear. I'm glad that you survived it and you conquered it, obviously. <laughs> and, and I'd like to go back to something you said, too, about your, your, your call to the, the individual on the alumni panel, that networking call you had. And you know, often, I don't know about yourself, but I'm sure you get similar conversations with individuals coming out of college and they ask for your advice and then you don't hear from them for a while. Um, and there, for many reasons, for whatever reason, um, what was it about, like, you taking that call, like calling and asking for assistance, asking for that connection. Um, you know, was that a, did you have to convince yourself or was that natural to you to go ahead and, and reach out to this individual for help? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it was not natural to me at all, for sure. I, you know, I think especially coming out of college, I was a fairly reserved person and, you know, wasn't very comfortable putting myself out there. Um, and it took a lot of, you know, guts and, and talking myself up to make those phone calls. Um, but it was, it was such a fantastic experience of, you know, kind of creating a mentor mentee relationship with this person. And that was my, my first introduction to the power of networking and just the power of, of networking within the sports industry too. Um, and he became an unbelievable advocate for me across, you know, many stages of my career. Um, but that was certainly a very impactful one. And, and it, it, I, I don't believe it was much. He certainly didn't say go hire this person. But what he did was introduce me to the hiring manager. And that was all it took. And, and you know, then I was able to walk in and, and have a conversation and have a warm introduction to this person, which I think made my interview much better as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad you shared that because I think that was sort of myself too. I, 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 I wanted to call, but I hesitated. I always like try to like held myself back. Like, I don't want to bother this person or think I'm, you know, like trying to get something from them to help me get a job. Like I couldn't get it myself, but, but that's not the case. Like, you know, um, I'm sure that individual no different than, you know, yourself or I, when we get these calls, like we want to help people. We want to see more people in the industry. Um, and it's really great to have those networking opportunities on both ends um, and if we have an opportunity to open the door for somebody, um, man, that's that's a very rewarding opportunity for anyone to open a door and to um, have a door open for you. So um, thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Yeah, that was well said, too. Now, you weren't in inside sales long, so we should preface that you were only in there, what, five months or so, I think. Um, so you clearly got out of the donuts uh, land and <laughs> moved yourself <laughs> up that board quite quickly. And um, you were promoted to, into group sales. You know, what did you most enjoy about taking the group sales path? 
Um, I, I loved groups because I felt it was creative and, you know, I, I got to kind of tap into some, some of those marketing courses that I did mm -hmm. take in college. Um, you know, I felt like it was, it was a little bit of event planning. It was a little bit of, you know, direct marketing and, and things like that, but it was a ton of relationship building too, which I kind of found was, um, was a little bit of my secret weapon was, you know, I could certainly go out there and even if I wasn't making a sale in every meeting or in every conversation, um, I, I felt like I was doing a good job in creating relationships that could then potentially pay off down the road. Um, and that was ultimately my experience too. I actually, I struggled for a while in group sales because the sales cycle is a much longer process. And it, it took me almost a full season to really kind of hit my stride. And, and for some of the seeds that I had planted in the relationships that I had started building to actually pay off. Um, so there was a lot of internal struggle there for a while. And am I good at this? And am I going to make it in this type of role? Um, but then once you see some of those things paying off, that, that really lifted a lot of my confidence. And, and I was really thrilled and, and loved the job that I was doing as well. Um, so I, I think that was a big piece of it. I think also in group sales, you know, there's a lot of, uh, especially in when you're selling soccer, um, you're looking at a lot of those youth soccer organizations that, you know, have an easy and natural fit to kind of come out to, to a soccer game and to a pro soccer game. Um, one of the things that I'm most proud about, about a lot of that time was that I didn't have any of those organizations to, to lean back on and to kind of sit there and, you know, anchor myself with, if you will. Um, so I, I, took a lot of that and I said, okay, if I, if I'm not going to make my mark in youth soccer, I'm going to go out here and make my mark in, in business sales and in corporate sales. So I really leaned into the B2B side and, um, was always really proud of that kind of blazing that trail a little bit. Yeah, no, I, so I connect with you on this whole component because I was also a group <laughs> sales rep and I love the creativity and tapping into this sort of like own your own business sort of mentality of a, as an entrepreneur, you have an idea, you, you go re research it, you, you find it, you create it, you, you execute it, you know, and, yes. and you planted all these seeds. And I was the same. I, I really struggled in the beginning because I was planting seeds, but you, you didn't know they were actually going to grow into something. You hoped that they did. Um, but you have these sort of like aha moments. Um, you find something that you're starting to understand um, how to unlock those group sales opportunities. And so as you were blazing your path in the business, you know, B2B area, I found a lot of success out of the gate with like entertainment groups, you know, the anthems and the performers and the bands and the cheerleading groups. And once I had that down, I was like, okay, I can just, you know, recycle and repeat this process in the other categories of, of groups. And it finally picked up for me. And once I was on a good, a good path, I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm so happy I, I also took that same that same group sales path. And another thing that's interesting about groups, I think most people don't think about from a ticket sales perspective, is it's like the only department within the sales area where you're working with across multiple teams, you know? Yes, definitely. And yes. you rely on a lot of those other departments to help you execute your vision and, and bring something to life for your client too, for sure. Yeah, right. So I, I just loved working with the CR team and the entertainment groups and the, the, the building apps, you know, for anything you had to bring in and out. And so, yeah, I thought it, it really taught in terms of like thinking about the development of becoming a leader. It really helped tap into 
those relationships and leading other people in other areas because you're the one who has the vision and the group that you needed to execute for. So you got to lead in a lot of conversations and sort of un unlock some of the, that talent and those opportunities for yourself. So for you, after three years of selling groups, um, you were promoted to lead as, as the leaders we're talking about. So um, you were named the manager of group sales for the Rapids, um, the MLS team under Cronky Sports Entertainment, as you mentioned. Um, so we often talk about the challenge of tra transitioning from being a peer um, to being a leader in the same organization. Um, was that a challenge for you? And if it was, what were some of the biggest takeaways from that experience uh, making that transition into leadership? Um, it was definitely a challenge. So I, I would say the biggest thing for me was, you know, you go from being a peer with all these people to, to being a leader. And there were certainly people within my department that were not only older than me in age, but had more experience as well. Um, and so that was, that was challenging and that was difficult to navigate. I think the biggest learning experience that I had right off the bat was um, I came into it with this expectation that I needed to know every answer and that people were looking to me to know every answer to every question or every challenge or every puzzle that we had. Um, but once I was able to admit to myself um, <laughs> that I didn't know everything and that I, I still certainly don't know everything, um, but that really my role was to be a tool for other people to help them go find the right answer or to help them go, you know, create a solution. Um, that took a lot of pressure off of that. And I think that allowed me to go back to my team and say, hey, I, I'm unsure how to approach this. How would you do it? You know, you've been doing this particular thing for longer. Um, or they would come to me with a problem and I would say, great question. Why don't we go ask somebody else <laughs> and really just go find the solution? And I think some of that transparency and, and just some of that honesty, I, I think, helped build trust and and hopefully a little bit of respect along the way, too, because that's challenging. It's so challenging to become a leader of people who were formerly your peers. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, it's a great lesson in terms of understanding that um, that there is power and vulnerability as a leader, you know, mm -hmm. and sort of expressing that you don't know something and that then the the peer or the person who, you know, you should be leading um, can see you in this human light as well. Like, oh, like, I know they got the promotion and they're the leader, but like, they know that they need um, the answer too. And I like that I'm on this path with you to discover it. And I'm sure that it just helps gain the respect and appreciation from the team as well. So um, it's it's definitely a, a fun transition and a challenging transition. <laughs> very, very much so. Yeah. And I, I think along that path, it was, you know, to your point earlier about having to build relationship, relationships with other departments, that was another layer of that too, where I was constantly seeking help and, and answers from other people and really working on building relationships within my team, you know, to the people who I reported to, but also departments around me so that we could also all just get to the same finish line together. Since that first leadership role, um, you have experienced, like you, you actually experienced basically a promotion internally every year <laughs> until <laughs> you were named the vice president of ticket sales and service of the Rapids. So what, what has been your approach to internal growth and, and pursuing next levels? Uh, 
Sure. I, it, so it's, it's a really interesting way. And, and usually when I talk about this, I talk about, you know, the circumstances that were happening around me and then, yeah. you know, what I attempted to do to try to, to try to help with that too, certainly for a career growth piece. Um, what was, it was really interesting what was happening both with the Rapids and with MLS at that time. Um, both our team and the league were in this stage of hyper growth and everyone was just pouring, um, you know, resources into helping grow the league and the league really wanted to make an impact. And from a team perspective in 2010, we won MLS cup. And I think that really spurned a whole lot of change internally. Um, we had, you know, some new leadership and executives come on board and there was this revival of, hey, we want to double down on this team. We want to be bigger than we ever have been. We want to build our fan base. We want to build our market share within Denver. And we want to become, you know, more professional and, you know, build something that we're all proud of, too. Um, and I was all in on that vision. Mm -hmm. I was completely bought in on that vision. Um, I was bought in on the new leadership that was coming in and, you know, kind of their experiences and what I could learn from them. And I, I think through all of that, um, because there was so much change happening around me, I started to see and visualize little pockets and holes and opportunities that I could help to fill, um, which would, you know, translate into potentially a new role or absorption of an, another role that was around me. Um, but it really led to me kind of sitting there and raising my hand and saying, <laughs> put me in coach, like I'm ready, I'm ready to take on new challenges and I'm ready to just, you know, I'm, I'm in it and I'm here and, you know, I, I'm ready to, to do it and to take it on. Well, that's, that's, and it's, that's actually good advice too, to think about, um, you know, it, when when somebody is looking for growth and looking for those opportunities to raise your hand, but in the back end too, if you raise your hand, you're not getting selected. I guess the question then is, um, have you built trusted relationships that people believe that you have the capacity and, and the skills to take on something that you raised your hand for? And I imagine throughout your path too, like you were probably constantly looking at things to do, but also doing things that represented a brand that you're somebody who can take on a new thing quickly, learn it fast, or you already had the skill, but yet you didn't have the oversight yet of that area. And you, mm -hmm. you were able to be prepared. And it's that preparedness, you know, that really helps also um, pursue forward when those opportunities and changes are happening all around you. Absolutely. And I think, I think you touched on a couple really amazing things there too. It was, you know, I was constantly working on building my relationships with those people. And, and again, I was fully bought into this, this new leadership and new executive group. And so I wanted to learn from them. And so I was, I was trying to just be around, absorb as much as I could and just learn as much as I could. Um, but I think, you know, partly through my actions and partly through, you know, banging down doors a little <laughs> bit too, um, I, I was always standing there saying, hey, even if I don't have direct experience in this project or in this role, um, I promise I won't let you down yeah. and I will do it until it's done right. And you have my commitment that, you know, really, I won't rest until this is, is done and done correctly. And, you know, again, even if I didn't have the direct experience 
or um, you know, hadn't quite done that before. I, I had confidence that I could try to figure it out and that I had resources around me and within the league and, and things like that, that I could you know, figure out some good ways to get there. Um, I'm making it sound much easier than it actually was. <laughs> it was a very bumpy road and there, there was a lot going on at the time with the team too. But um, I, like I said, I just, I, I was bought into the people and to the project and to the vision and, and I was there to, there to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And you're right. It's, it, it, it does sound easy and it's not because when you take on additional projects beyond your day-to-day job, that means that you're doing extra work, you're staying late you know, you have to do the research. And I mean, it does create a lot more on your plate. But like, if you want to grow, you have to, you know, go outside of your comfort zone, and you have to push yourself beyond sometimes your limits. um, Because that's where growth really happens. And so I I love that you did that. After three years leading sales and service for the Rapids, um, you then made a move within the Kroenke Sports Entertainment family, and you were named the VP of sales and service for the Denver Nuggets, where you are today. Um, so what inspired the move from, you know, the Rapids to the Nuggets? And what have been some of those key differences leading, identified leading in the MLS versus the NBA? Sure. So, yeah, I, I am one of those very strange career path stories of <laughs> having stayed all within the same organization. But, um, it, you know, really, I think that the move over to the Nugget side of, of our world in KSE um, was driven by a lot of the same things that I was passionate about at the Rapids. And it was about the people and the project that was in front of me and, you know, trying to see if I could make an impact in just a slightly different way. So um, from a people side, I was really excited to dive in with the current leadership staff and the sales staff within the Nuggets department. Um, They had done some incredible things over the prior, you know, several years and increased memberships and, you know, their fan base and everything else in really significant ways over the prior years. And I was excited to try to dive in and, and learn from them, but also see if I could come at it from a slightly different perspective um, and help, you know, help transition everybody from this hyper growth type of phase to mm-hmm. a more nuanced phase of looking at each fan individually, each seat in the building individually, every product that we sell, and really just trying to refine our strategy Um, to transition out of this like heavy, heavy growth phase into something that would be sustainable throughout the life, you know, of the nuggets that really wouldn't peak or valley too, too much if team performance changed. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. And it seems like it's just an incredible opportunity um, to make that move and to be a part of, you know, the project and that transition that you had in that, in that, the beginning of of your role. And since then, I'm, I'm sure it's just been quite a roller coaster, you know, leading through <laughs> a little bit, leading yeah. through COVID and everything else, right? Like, um, it's amazing how it never ends. No- nothing is ever normal in these jobs. Yeah, I, absolutely. And it's been, I, that was a, a really big thing, certainly over the past 18 months was, you know, my first, oh gosh, six-ish, six plus months at the team, it was, okay, get up and running and, you know, learn as much as I could so that I could be up to speed and, and kind of let the people who knew what they were doing do what they do best. Um, so I could try to jump in where I could, but really focus on kind of building some long-term things. 
And then things came to a screeching halt, of course. Yeah. Um, and so the roles and responsibilities of, of leaders everywhere and not just in the NBA or in sports or, you know, just absolutely everywhere, all of those priorities changed. And it was, you know, how are we going to sell out the next game turned into how do I make sure I'm being as empathetic as I possibly can be to what everybody is experiencing right now? And man, that was a whole new challenge. Um, and I'm not saying anything brand new because everybody, <laughs> everybody has gone through this and it was just, it was such a wild thing. It really was. I, I Let's hope that we never go back there again, right? Let's never do that Please one again. No. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Now, for your, for your professional growth, um, how important was it to have mentors and supporters? And, you know, what is something meaningful that you feel like you've learned um, from, from them? Sure. Um, both mentors and supporters have been incredibly important. And I, I kind of separate them a little bit. Mentor to me is, is certainly more on the, the professional and the career side. And, and supporters are usually people who are keeping me grounded on my personal side as well and helping me to, you know, make sure I'm seeing the forest through the trees just a little bit. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned um, from some of my mentors is that the best leaders that I know often surround themselves by talented people and people who are talented, not in the same ways that they are, but that they have talents that are very complementary to that leader's talents. Um, and that is something that I think it was a seed planted a long time ago and it's grown and grown and grown for me. And, you know, the sports parallels are endless with this as well. But really, when you're, when you're assembling a great team, you don't want everybody to have the exact same skill set or come from the exact same background or have the exact same experiences. Um, but what makes a really, you know, excellent team and, and makes a team that functions the best and excels the best is having those differences. Um, you know, again, I, I think I've even taken that a step further. And it's like, when I'm looking at an open position on, on my leadership team, or when we're looking at hiring a brand new inside sales class, how can we make sure we're introducing diversity of thought and diversity of background and diversity of experience so that we can approach problems in different ways and, and things too. And um, the example that I've used a hundred times with this <laughs> is that I was never an inside sales manager. It's, it's not my biggest strength to be standing up and, and teaching and teaching sales process. So I like to surround myself with people who have been inside sales managers. Um, and that's, it's a really important skill set that I just don't personally have, but I think is so important to be represented, you know, on a, in a team structure there too. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And, you know, when I, when I got here for the Dynamo, you know, I, I played soccer, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know the professional realm of soccer. So I stole your guy. <laughs> yes, you did. But I mean, and he's the, one of the inside sales managers that I have right. surrounded myself by. And, you know, I, that's, that's the best thing about this industry too, is being able to, to share talent like that and yeah. show people growth opportunity. And man, I was so happy for him when he got that, that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Thank you for, you know, for for developing him because he's been incredible for me and, and my <laughs> team as well. So that's funny. Now, working in the industry, um, I say that every episode that it's, you know, it's it's said to be a lifestyle. 
And um, as a leader, and you mentioned that you're married. So as a leader, a wife and a mother, um, how do you structure your lifestyle so that it all works for you and your family? And I believe you have a, you have a young son, correct? I do. Yep. He'll be four tomorrow. Actually. Oh, my daughter yeah. just turned four like two weeks ago. So we're on the same page. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. It's a really fun age. It's been fun. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's, it is absolutely a lifestyle working in this industry. And I, I, I have certainly heard you have conversations with other people as well, where you call it kind of, you know, where your personal life intersects with your career and not yeah. trying to call it balance. And I love that because balance implies that it's, it's, you know, equally balanced at all times. And sometimes it just is not, and and that's okay. Um, so, you know, in the spirit of that, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and we're constantly <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, the best way to, to make it work for our family and, and things like that too. Um, I think I, what I try to do is, is structure my days, um, whether they be kind of lighter days on the work side or hectic days on the work side, but, you know, try to make sure I'm carving out time so that I can be around for dinner or bath or bed or, you know, or in the morning and, and however that works. Um, and, and to me, a lot of the success that my husband and I have had in, in trying to manage this and trying to make it all work is number one, he's amazing. And, and I should just throw that out there. But, um, number two, it's, you know, trying to sit down and identify how the next week is going to look or how the next month is going to look and, you know, carving out the schedule so that we have everything covered, but also, and, and this is where he's really great is making sure we're carving out time for, you know, a weekend getaway or a drive into the mountains or, um, a date night or, you know, just something else to try to balance it out too. Because I found that if I don't schedule those things then I am just, you know, head in the sand and, and kind of just keep going. So I, I like having those things, you know, planned ahead a little bit. Um, but it, we're certainly coming up on a busier time of year here too. Um, I, I mentioned my, my son's birthday is tomorrow and <laughs> my husband starts a new job on Monday and I have a, a midterm exam for a graduate course that I'm taking next week and we have home opener next week. And it's, you know, it's kind of, okay, buckle up. This yeah. is going to be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together at once. And that, that happens often in my world too. And all like everything, there's nothing for a while and then everything at one time. Uh, so how are you going to be tackling this next, these next 30 days, let's say? Oh gosh, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> One, one day at a time. One, one day, day at a time. time. I know. Well, and it is, you know, I, I think we're both looking ahead at this week going, okay, you know, this is going to take some give and take. And, you know, maybe our son has some slightly longer days at preschool and, and that's okay. You know, knowing that we can kind of make it up somewhere else. Um but, you know, we have a, a little trip planned in November. And so kind of looking ahead to that, and, and we both have our sights set on that just a little bit of like, hey, let's get through the next 30 or so days. And then then we can go have a little bit of fun, too. I like that. Have something ahead that you can look forward to. And, um, you know, the advice to plan it, put on your calendar. It, that's definitely what I do, too. Other um, guests on the podcast provide that same advice. And especially if you're 
you have a strong calendar. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. Like you, you kind of have to, otherwise to your point, you'll just keep going until your battery runs out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I don't want to be there. No, <laughs> no, thank you. We got to find you. So that's how you have to schedule those like recharge moments, those trips, which I think are so important. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they're, they're extremely important. Yeah. I, I heard the advice somewhere. Um, it was a little over a year ago and I've been trying to follow this, but I'm a big color coder. And so mm-hmm. um, I color code everything. And so anything that is personal for me, either whether it's like, you know, an appointment that I have or um, more importantly, you know, something that I'm doing just for myself, like going to get my nails done or just like <laughs> carving out a lunch with a friend or something like that. Um, I, I put it in a totally different color and it's, it's pink. So it stands out. And the advice that I got was, you know, when you look at your calendar and you look over the next week, if you're not seeing anything coded just for yourself, then you've got to plan something out. So like being really intentional about sprinkling that in wherever you can. Oh, I like that. Sprinkle in that pink, right? Like yes. I like that. That's a good idea. Cause yeah, you're right. Cause I look from day to day, but I rarely look at it from the weekly view. Um, and yeah, I'm going to take that. I like that. I, that's really, really good advice. Now, um, looking back on your career, uh, what is something you've learned that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career that you know now? This is such a great question. And one, <laughs> um, one that I find really difficult. I, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is that I walked into a job in sports and, you know, my first day in inside sales, I was so uh, kind of, like I said before, awestruck by, just walking into the, what was the Pepsi Center, now Ball Arena, mm-hmm. uh, but walking into the building every day and you can walk out and see a completely empty arena and just how amazing that was for me. And <laughs> I think at the moment I was like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> this career is going to be so fun. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that no job is glamorous Every job is hard work. That's why it's a job. Um, So along the way, I've had to intentionally make sure that I'm choosing a career every day and choosing a role that I find fulfillment in. um, And that's helping me to grow as a human and just as a person and and becoming a better person. Um, But maybe most importantly, making sure that I'm surrounding myself with people that I like to work with and I like to be with. Um, because that's what, that's what ultimately makes my job fun. Um, mm-hmm. there can be days that it's tough and it's hard and it's stressful. Um, but being able, honestly, being able to share that with somebody else is in somebody else that you like and enjoy working with is so much better than, than the alternative. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so true. And yeah, who you surround yourself really makes your, you know, really makes break can make or break your experience in any in any situation or environment even without outside of sports but especially in sports because we work so much together um working with individuals who are fun and have shared you know um interests let's say or, or fun you know i think it can really really help um elevate uh, how you feel about work and yourself at work yeah. And I, I've been really, really lucky um, to, to work with some incredible people over the years. And, you know, I, there isn't one person that I would say, oh, that, that was just awful. And I would never do that again. <laughs> so that, that's been really great. And I think I'm really lucky in that. And, and I really, truly have enjoyed 
um, you know, the bosses that I've worked for and, um, you know, the, the people that are on my team and a part of the team and, you know, that are my coworkers across teams within KSE. And I really think that that's a big piece of what's kept me here at the same company for so long as well. That's wonderful. And finally, um, what advice do you have for anyone who's looking to grow their career in sports? And from your experience, why is ticket sales and service a great path for individuals to pursue? Well, I'm very biased, but I will do my best. <laughs> I, too. I try to convince everyone, like, this is the path, you know? <laughs> this is this is the way. <laughs> yeah. um, I think for me personally, going through training on sales and, and service and having the experiences of picking up the phone and blindly calling a stranger and try, trying to create conversation and a relationship with that person has given me so many skills outside of just sales. And I, I think the one that, that really sticks out to me that has served me all the way across my career is that that training and that skill set has given me the confidence um, to sit in any league meeting or any executive board meeting or you know, any client conversation or sit across from a CEO. Um, and in some, of those, in some of those opportunities, I may have been the only woman in the room or I may have been one of very few women in the room. Um, but that has given me confidence to be able to speak up and speak my mind and say my opinion and, you know, not be the, the more quiet or more reserved version of myself that I think emerged out of college. That's great. I love the advice. I love the plug for ticket sales <laughs> and, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're absolutely right. I mean, sales, sales skills, um, expand across so many different aspects of skills that you will need um, in your growth, especially into leadership, but in other areas of this, we're always selling. Everybody is selling, even if you don't think you are. I couldn't agree more. And I, I tell people all the time, like, I think salespeople get a bad rap. Um, and I'm a person who likes to walk into a store and be sold by a salesperson. <laughs> I, I like speaking to somebody who's the expert. And, you know, I, I hope that our salespeople today feel like like that's how they're being approached by, by people too. So yeah, me, me too. I, I also <laughs> like from service perspective too, when you go get like a service done yes. or pick up your car or, or buy something in that regard. Um, I love interacting with service folks and, and interacting with them. And hopefully I'm a good interaction they have that day. <laughs> like I hope. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That was great. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being a guest on Women Blazers. We just appreciate greatly uh, you lending your voice to the platform and for all you do um, there at Cranky Sports, but in the industry. Thank you so much, Diana. And it's been really wonderful to, to watch the podcast grow. And, and I'm really excited and, and just honored to have been asked. So thank you so much. And that's a wrap on episode 36. Thank you to Emily for sharing her experiences and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping events equity and pro sports. Now, as always, I invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers Network. And there are only four episodes left in season two. I truly cannot believe it. 
So look forward to episode 37 on Monday, November 8th. Until next time, have a great week.